you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And uh, we, as you're turning there, just a couple of things I want to observe about us is we are a people who ask questions, right? When I was little, my parents told me that I, I asked so many questions all the time, never tried to figure it out for myself, just ask questions. We ask questions in the church about the Bible, about theology, about what it means. We ask questions about each other, don't we? We ask questions about, uh, you know, how are you doing? So we hold each other accountable. We, we uh, encourage one another. Sometimes we ask questions like, what did the pastor just say? I don't know about that pastor. That's usually Brittany. She's up here on the front row. But not just in the church, but we also, a lot of times, uh, we ask questions in life. Very serious, nerve-wracking questions. Like, will you marry me? Sometimes, very nerve-wracking questions. What are the test results, doctor? Sometimes we ask questions that we probably shouldn't ask, but we do it anyway. You're talking to somebody and you just, you just want to ask them, have you looked in the mirror lately? Did you look in the mirror before you left the house this morning? Questions really get at the heart of who we are. And a lot of questions will tell us a lot about ourselves just by the fact that we ask them. Just by the fact that we ask them. And in this text that we're about to look at, we're going to, to see the disciples asking a very simple question. And just by the fact that they ask that question tells us a lot about who they are and what their intentions are. But Jesus takes that and He, he redirects them and He invites them to join Him on the mission. And the, the main thing that we're going to see this morning, not just for the disciples, but for us here in the 21st century, is that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses for Jesus here, there, and everywhere. Here, there, and everywhere. And just to kind of give you a recap, we're in our mission series onward, and uh, we started looking at uh, the very first week, the foundation of our mission, which is the mission of God. We then looked at the fuel for our mission, which is worship. We last week looked at how we fit into the mission, and so that's, that's fine and good to know what the foundation is, what the fuel is, but how do we fit into that? And we looked at the Great Commission, we're to make disciples, and then this week we're going to look at something that to me encourages so much, how we accomplish the mission, how we accomplish the mission. So join with me in Acts chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in verse 6, and if you would please stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. Hear what God's Word says. It says, So, when they had come together, they asked Him, here's their question, Lord, will You at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by His own authority. But you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word because it is perfect. Lord, there are a lot of things that instruct us in life. There are a lot of things that try to pour into us. But ultimately, Lord, Your Word is what instructs us. Your Word is what changes us. It convicts us. It rebukes us. It trains us in righteousness. And so, Lord, as we look at Your Word today, I pray, Lord, that that the Holy Spirit that we just read about here that would empower us, that that Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, would empower our ears and our hearts to receive starting with mine. Lord, help us to be obedient children. Help us to be Christians who write a blank check and hand it to you and let you fill in all the details. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The disciples question. The disciples ask a question. Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And... As we, as we look at this passage that we just read, there are several observations, and the first one is distracted disciples. Distracted disciples. Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? What's interesting is, if you think about it, these disciples had just walked with Jesus and, and, and watched Him be crucified. He appeared to them afterward, and they see the resurrected Lord They see that He is not dead anymore. And and all the victory that comes along with that. And you would think these guys would be on fire. And then all of a sudden that you get a question like this out of left field. Well, you're going to restore Israel? You're going to restore Israel? And, And there's a couple of problems with the question. There's a couple of problems with the question. First of all, these guys are too narrow focused. They're too narrow focused. They're like, Lord, are you going to do a work with Israel? And you hear Jesus basically saying, no, I'm not going to just do a work with Israel, but you're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. You're too narrow focused, disciples. You're thinking about about Israel, and I'm thinking about the world. I'm thinking about starting a movement and forgiving sinners everywhere in the world, all over the earth. But the second problem is they were still thinking that Jesus was there to establish an earthly kingdom. They missed the whole spiritual aspect of it. They missed that He was saving people from their sins. He was establishing His kingdom and that one day He would reign. Notice Jesus' answer. He doesn't really answer in one way or the other, does He? He says this, He says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. That the, the Father, that, that God is fixed by His own authority. I love it because Jesus is basically, in, in a way that only Jesus can, He's basically saying to the disciples, hey, it's none of your business. It's none of your business. And, and, and ultimately, what the, the underlying idea here is, the disciples are distracted. They're distracted. They're worrying about things that it's none of their business to, to worry about. They're focusing on the minor things. And Jesus is telling them, it's none of your business. Let God do what He's going to do, and you worry about what you're supposed to worry about, what I called you to worry about. You know, as I, as I look at that and just think about the distractions that they have, I can't help but think about us. What are some of our distractions that, that we have? 
And I, I think some of them, we are just like the disciples and we get distracted so many times by future events, don't we? In fact, I notice all the time I get the Baptist paper that, that goes out and there's always these conferences. They're, they're Bible conferences. They're like basically big Bible studies. And, and I just think, oh, this is great. You know, I want to go to that. And then what's the topic? Well, the topic is always end times. End times Bible studies. Now, there's nothing wrong with studying the end times, okay? Don't, don't hear the preacher saying that end times. Are, but there's so many people and so many churches that that's, what they, that's all that they care about. They're so wrapped up in end times. What's going to happen? And, and I've even heard preachers who, who are, you know, they're great evangelists and the Lord has used them mightily and they basically abandon their preaching ministry and they abandon that because they're going to look for signs that the end is near. I just think, you're getting distracted. Maybe it's not end times, but maybe it's future things. Right? We as humans, we like to ask that question, what's next? What's next? What kind of job am I going to get next? What career is going to happen next? What, what's, what's going to happen to me next? And we get so caught up in that. And, and to the point that it distracts us from what God has really called us to do. From what He's called us to do. Maybe it's not future things that distract us, but maybe it's our preferences. And I'm talking, of course, mostly as a church. Our preferences, our worship style. You know, churches split over things like that. What kind of worship should we have? Should we have older hymns? Should we have newer, modern, contemporary? Should we have a blend? Preferences. Some churches, they, they, they put their preference of how to decorate. How should we decorate the church? What color carpet should we have? What color should the, the walls be of the church? Let's bring it close to home. Should we lock or unlock the doors? I had to put a little bit of Mount Carmel in there, you know. Churches a lot of times get distracted by things. Things that are just preferences. Things that, who cares which way it is. Now these things are all good and important things, and yes, there, there should be a discussion about these things, but they're not the main thing. They're not the main thing. For a lot of churches, it's maintaining the organization or the building. And it's so sad because a lot of churches have forgotten the mission. They, they've, they've jettisoned the mission. They don't, they don't really worry about that. What they care about is we want to maintain this organization called church. We want to maintain our, our buildings. We want to make sure. And, it, and it, those are good things, but that's what it becomes all about. It becomes all about like, let's, let's, let's take in money so that we can keep things running the way that they've always run. So that we can keep our buildings maintained. So that we can have a place for our members to get married and have functions and things like that. And, and we get so distracted that we miss what Jesus has called us clearly to do. Maybe not as, as a church, but what about us as individuals in our personal lives? I'll just be honest with you. My, the thing that hangs up for me that, that gets me distracted and probably the same for many of you is comfort. I want to be comfortable. I don't want to have to deal with things that are hard. I don't want to step outside of my comfort zone. I want to, I want to keep going with business as usual because that's what I know. Maybe it's not comfort for you. Maybe it's your reputation. 
if I live on mission for God, if I, if I join Christ in this mission and I tell other people about Christ, what are they going to say about me? We get so distracted. But what we need to do, listen, we need to keep the main thing the main thing. We don't want to make lesser things the main thing. The gospel is central. And everything else, when we put that in its rightful place, when we put the gospel in its rightful place, everything else just pales in comparison. When we're truly joining Him on mission and we're truly grateful sinners who've been saved by grace and we're people who are basically one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread, it doesn't matter what kind of songs we sing. It doesn't matter whether we lock or unlock the doors. It doesn't matter what the color of the carpet is. It doesn't matter all these other things. The main thing needs to be the main thing. After Jesus confronts their question, He changes their mindset a little bit. And the the second observation we see here is a powerful presence. A powerful presence. Look with me there in verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And, And let me tell you the most encouraging thing about that verse. Last week we looked at the Great Commission and we looked at the promise of it. And Jesus says, Lo, I am with you always. Well, how is Jesus with us always? Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. How is He with us always? How is His presence with us? And we see that what Jesus has promised, He's fulfilling here by saying, hey, I'm going to put My Spirit in you. In other words, as you, if you're a Christian, as you go about this life, you're not doing it on your own. He's with you. He empowers you. And so don't miss this, that, that Jesus is promising His, His presence with us, but He's giving us the ultimate tool that we need to be equipped to do what He's called us to do. And that is Himself. Jesus has not called us as Christians to do something and then didn't give us what we needed to do it. Jesus has said, you know, I want you to be my witnesses, but I'm going to give you the one thing that you need to do that. I'm going to give you power from on high through my presence dwelling with you. A powerful presence. And notice he he says that you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This word power is is the word that, that we get the word dynamite from. Think about dynamite, the power that it has. It's power, it's might, it's strength, it's force, it's capability. And listen, the Holy Spirit is powerfully working in His children as we go and tell others about Christ. He's powerfully working in the church as we live on mission. And let me just give you a little side note. If He was not working in the church, if the Holy Spirit did not indwell us in power, we would not be able to do what God has called us to do. I don't know about you. I'm too weak to do it. I'd mess it up. The Gospel was just left to us and left up to us to spread. 
I don't think we'd see very many people saved at all. If any. But as it is, He gives us power. He gives us His presence. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And the question we've got to ask ourselves is, what does this look like? What does it look like? And, and I think here, the purpose of Him giving us the Spirit shows us the meaning. Look at what He says. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be My witnesses. You know, there are many churches that take this one verse out of context and, and they say, they basically almost write their own translation. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you're going to speak in tongues and have, wear long skirts and wear long hair and, and, and have a, a charismatic worship style. That's not what the verse is saying. He says, no, you're going to receive power so that you can be My witnesses. The purpose of the, of the verse tells us what it looks like. And... and, and I picked three things that we see in the book of Acts that we see the Holy Spirit working. We see the power of the Holy Spirit at work. And, and first of all, we see Him working in those who we witness to. We see Him working in those who we witness to. Before we ever get there to witness to Him, He's already working on them. You don't have to look very far to see that. You just look in the next chapter. The Holy Spirit comes in, in chapter 2, and then all of a sudden, Peter stands up and preaches. He stands up and preaches, and it says that over 3,000 people are miraculously saved and respond to the gospel. He was, the Holy Spirit is working in the details. He's working in the hearts of people that we go to. And so that means when you go to your neighbor, and it just seems so awkward, you can pray and know that God's already going ahead of you and working on your neighbor. The person you meet at the gas station or in the supermarket that you just feel pricked, like, I should probably talk to them. The Holy Spirit's already there working on them. We don't go it alone. Not only is He working in the people that, are, that we witness to, but He's working to make us bold. He's working to make us bold. You see this especially in Acts chapter 4. The, the people come together and, and people are persecuting them and they, they pray for boldness. And this is what it says. It says, and now, Lord, this is their prayer. And now, Lord, look upon their threats. They're threatening to kill them. And grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Look at verse 31. They pray for boldness. And this is what happens. And when they had prayed, the place in which they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. And all throughout the book of Acts, we see His people living on mission, telling others about Jesus, ministering to people. And they do it with boldness. They take the opportunity that God has given them and they boldly tell them the oracles of God. They boldly tell them what Jesus has done in their lives. I think another thing that we see the Holy Spirit doing as He empowers His people in Acts is He works to give them direction. 
this is the, basically the whole book. You just see people that seemingly just going and doing random things, and all of a sudden you realize that, no, the Spirit is orchestrating all of this to tell other people about Christ. We see this really clearly in Acts 16. Paul and Silas and Timothy are on a missionary journey. And uh, they're, they're moving along through the regions. And this is what it says. Acts 16, starting in verse 6. It says, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having bid forbidden, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. What? The Holy Spirit forbids them from speaking the word there so that they can go to this other place and speak it. He directs them. Look at what the next verse says. It says, And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Again, the Spirit blocking them, saying, No, I don't want you to go that way. I want you to go this way. I'm giving you direction. And then notice what, what happens next. It says, A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over here to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. The Holy Spirit was directing the people, directing His church, directing Paul and Silas and Timothy. They go one place and He closes the door so that they can go another place. And then they go over there thinking, well, this is what needed. He closes that door and they go back and then all of a sudden Paul has a dream, a vision. Of somebody from Macedonia saying, come over here and help us. Paul says, hey, this is the Holy Spirit telling us we need to go and do that. The Holy Spirit empowers us and gives us direction. He puts us exactly where He wants us to be. He is sovereign. He's in control. He orchestrates events. He steers our life so that we are exactly where He wants us to be to fulfill the mission. He gives us the opportunities to speak the gospel with boldness. But listen, church. Come in here real close and listen. Will we take them? He gives us the opportunity. He gives us direction. Will we take them? Will we be faithful? You know, Mount Carmel could be a church that reaches our entire state and indeed our entire nation for the gospel. This past week, I was in Alexandria at a conference and I, I bumped into the, um, a guy who, who he's over the church planning movement in Louisiana. And there are many churches that are, are starting up in, in South Louisiana where there are no churches, where there are no healthy churches down there. And they're starting up and they're winning people to Jesus. Mount Carmel could be one of the churches that stands behind them and says, we're praying for you, we're sending you, we want to be involved. Mount Carmel could be the church that regularly reaches the people in Sabine Parish with addictions and shares Jesus with them. That could be us. We could be the ones leading the way with ministries and help for people who are struggling with addictions so that we can minister to them and tell them about Christ. Mount Carmel Baptist Church could be regularly sending mission teams to places. Regularly going to many different places here and abroad. 
Mount Carmel Baptist Church could be a place where we're reaching homes in our community regularly. We're regularly visiting people. We're regularly going that there's not going to be a home in our community and in our town that has not had a visit from us, has not had an encouraging word from us. Mount Carmel Baptist Church could be a place that meets the needs of the vulnerable people like widows and orphans and people like single mothers who are considering abortion. All that could be us. The Holy Spirit can give us opportunities to do things like that, but the question is, when He gives us those opportunities, will we be faithful and take them? Will we be faithful? And not just as a church, but as individuals. As individuals, are you praying for opportunities are you praying? Like, is it your prayer that, Holy Spirit, would you, would you direct my path today so that I can run across somebody that needs to hear about you? And then watch out when you pray that because He's probably going to do it. And then when He does it, Lord, give me somebody that I can witness to today. Give me somebody that I can tell about Jesus. And you're standing next in the gas station to somebody, and you just feel pricked like, hey, that's the guy. Will you be bold? Will you be faithful? Will you take the opportunity? Will you take the opportunity? He has empowered us. Given us direction. Given us His presence. You know, one thing that I learned in uh, that at the previous church we were at that they, they taught us was they taught us what they call a 15-second testimony. And basically it is, it is your way to say in, in 15 seconds, I was going this way, and then I met Jesus, and now I'm going this way. I mean, it's so simple. You could, you could share it with anybody. You don't have to take up five minutes of their time. And, I mean, just 15 seconds. And I encourage you, if you're a Christian, why don't, you, why don't you do that? Why don't you find a way to, in 15 seconds, in like two sentences, be able to express your testimony so that when you have an, an instant to share, you could share with somebody what Jesus has done for you. And then pray as you're sharing it that that's going to spark more questions, that you're going to have an even greater opportunity to continue talking to them. Will we be faithful? Will we take opportunities that He gives us? The final observation here is worldwide witnesses. And, and notice that Jesus says we will be His witnesses. Notice where He says we're going to be His witnesses. These guys are sitting in Jerusalem. And Jesus says, he says, you're going to go out of here. Our tendency is we're going to be focused on being witnesses immediately around us. People that we encounter in our everyday life. Or we're either that kind of person where we're just laid back as we go. We tell people or we're going to be the type of person that says the only way that I can be a witness is if I go overseas and so you have some people that they are, they are really passionate about reaching people here, and you have some people that are really passionate about reaching people overseas. Well, which is it? And, and the, the answer is it's not an either-or question. It's a both-and. We don't just reach people here, and we don't just reach people overseas. We, we, we do both. We do both. And Jesus tells them where they are going to to be His witnesses. The mission, listen, the mission is way bigger than we think it is. 
God is thinking way bigger than we think. We may want our community to be saved, but God wants to save our whole town. We may want our whole town to be saved, but God wants to save our whole parish, our whole state. In fact, we may even have a bigger vision and say, we want our whole state to be saved, and God's saying, no, I want the whole nation to be saved. And, and sometimes we may think and we may hope and pray for that our nation is saved and God's saying, no, I don't just want America to be saved. I want the whole world to be saved. His mission is far beyond, is bigger than we think it is. And He says that we're going to be His witnesses. And where? Well, He starts in there in verse 8 and He says, in Jerusalem, the city they were in, local missions, local missions, I think for us, that looks like evangelism. It means we need to be faithful to be witnesses for Jesus here. We need to tell people about Jesus through evangelism, through mercy ministries, helping the vulnerable, through care ministries, people in our community that need care, that need, that need a, a church to reach out and, and wrap our arms around, and we can be that. He says after that, that they are to be His witnesses in all Judea and Samaria. That's the region they lived in. If you look at a map, Jerusalem is here, and then Judea and Samaria are like the two regions that kind of make up where they are. And so for us, that's the region we're living in. Sabine Parish. We don't want, we don't want God just to do a thing in Mount Carmel or in Florine. We want God to do a thing in the parish. And, and what does that look like? That looks like us maybe church planning. Going alongside some of these guys. That looks like us doing evangelism in, in one of the, the places that God has given us to do evangelism, and that is at the Toledo Bend Mission. We have such a great opportunity to share Jesus with other people in our parish and all the guests that come into Toledo Bend, and we can do that. It looks like us doing camp ministries, standing behind them, folks like Clara Springs, folks like Dry Creek. Finally, he says, you're going to be my witnesses, not just in Jerusalem, not just in your region, but you're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And really quickly, let me just say this. If we're going to be His witnesses to the ends of the earth, what does that look like? That looks like us participating with the missionaries. We don't just want to write a check, but we want to know the names of the people that are going. We want to be praying for them. And another thing that looks like is us actually doing that and praying for them. And I encourage each one of you here, don't just pray, Lord, let your mission go across the earth. Why don't you actually put some legs and feet to that and, and go and, and search out who some of these missionaries are and start praying for the names of the missionaries who are there. Why don't you go and pick up a copy of Operation World, a book that, that has a prayer and, and a location every day for you to pray for different countries and the, the needs that they have for the gospel. We need to pray specific prayers for them. Another way we can do is to encourage and know our missionaries. You know, it's one thing for us to give to the Lottie Moon, and that's great. That's, that's a tremendous way we can, we can help with that. But it's another thing entirely for you to know the name of somebody overseas or know the name of somebody who's gone, and then send them an email. I want you to know that I'm praying for you today. Don't give up. Keep on going. I know it's hard, 
but I want you to know that you have me and our church standing behind you. I think another way that we can be His witnesses internationally is by giving. By giving. And I want to say this. Giving to missions is more than writing a check. It certainly involves writing one, but it's, it is so much more than that. And if we become a church and, and, a, and, and people who just were content to say, well, we're, we're, we cooperate with international missions because we, we give and we just write a check, we are missing so much more. He didn't call us just to stop at writing checks. He called us to cooperate and to go and to be involved in the spread of the gospel overseas. Basically, if you think of our missionaries descending into a pit, we're the ones at the top of it holding the rope. Holding the rope. We don't just pay somebody else to go hold the rope, do we? No, we ourselves hold it because we are part of the mission with our missionaries. The main thing that we see in this passage, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses for Jesus. Here, there, and everywhere. We see distracted disciples. Church, let's not get distracted by little things. In your personal lives, don't get distracted by little things. We see a powerful presence. Realize God is with us. He's directing us. He's helping us to do what He's called us to do. And we see a worldwide witness. And the mission is way bigger than we think. He empowers us to go. Will we be faithful? I want to close with a thought. And that thought is simply this. The direction of God is always onward, always upward, always forward. Throughout Scripture we see that the Holy Spirit never announces retreat. The Holy Spirit always announces throughout the Old Testament that a greater day is coming. That a greater day is coming. And the theme we see is our mighty God is marching on. Onward. And what's interesting about this, this, this passage that we looked at in Acts is it forms the backbone for the entire book. And as you read through Acts and as you see what the apostles are doing and how the name of Jesus is spreading, I just want to call our attention to the fact that at the very end of Acts, chapter 28... There is no formal conclusion to the book. And what that means is that God did not intend for the powerful working of the Holy Spirit to stop in Acts 28. He intended for it to continue through the ages into the present day. And what that means, church, is that the book of Acts does not end with chapter 28. The book of Acts ends with chapter 29. And we are... Acts 29. We are continuing the work that He was doing there. We were continuing onward with the work that He was doing. And I just want to say this to us this morning. We stand at the continental divide as it were. Whether we live as a church or whether we die 
as a church is going to depend on how well we focus on that mission. How well we focus on that mission. Will we be a church? Will we be individuals who are His witnesses, who are empowered by the Holy Spirit, who are going? Or will we just get distracted and forget the mission? A study was done several years ago into the leading cause of church death. And you want to know what it was? I think, well, it was because people just became uninterested in going to church. It's not what it was. Maybe there was a tragedy in the church, that, or a controversy that shook it, and it split, and that was the end of the church. That wasn't what it was. What the folks at Lifeway, they researched and came back and said, the reason that churches die is because they stop being outward focused. They stop fulfilling the mission. How fitting. I know that sounds cruel, but if a church isn't fulfilling the mission, what is it there for? And I just want to be very real with you this morning. If we aren't fulfilling the mission, then here's what we need to do. Let's go buy some more land out to the side and open up a little golf course. Put a, put a pool in the back back there. And then on the sign out front, we'll, we'll take off the Baptist church part and we'll put Mount Carmel Country Club. Because that is what we are if we are not on mission. Onward, he says. Onward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Because it convicts us. It changes us. Lord, would you make us faithful? We confess to you, Lord, that there's so much more that we could be doing. I think about my own life, Lord, and I just think there's so much more that I could be doing to win other people to Jesus, to reach people, to go outside of my comfort zone. God, I pray this, that for no one else and just for me, would you make me a more faithful witness? Lord, would you make us more faithful witnesses? Lord, you're worthy of it. We don't just go because you're unworthy. We go, Lord, because you're worthy. Because of what you've done for us on the cross. Because of that, Lord, the whole world should know you. So, Lord, make us faithful. Make us faithful in Jesus' name.